people. Uh, this is really good stuff that Eric and Shelly Shelly have. And Shelly was on the staff here. She was one of her main responsibilities was uh, bringing the culture of freedom here to kids and their parents, and then doing a lot of counseling uh, with parents. Uh, I could really have a lot of fun with them. They've got four boys this morning. <laughs> One of the reasons that they are so involved, the Lord has given them such a an anointing on speaking about parenting, is because, like in my world, when I, you know, one of the reasons the Lord I know chose me because I did it all wrong for many years, as they will, <laughs> as they will tell you, they had made all the mistakes. So that's why they get to share about <laughs> what they learned the hard way. But four boys, you do some things really well and some things not so good, huh? Yeah. They're awesome kids, and these two are my, two of my favorite people on the planet. So uh, they're going to talk about bringing the culture uh, into your home of parenting that will be under the kingdom. And then next week we'll talk some about how to, how to engage in spiritual warfare for your kids. So go. go. All right. So, uh, love Randy, you set this up incredibly well. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about you and then I'm uh, about us, not about you. You know about yourself. Uh, and uh, in, in that context, I'm going to give a challenge right at the start of this, uh, which will go a little bit against what Randy just said. Here's why. So, to introduce myself and Shelly, we have four boys, like, like Randy said. We also have an adopted son, but I also have 20 spiritual children that I walk with, that Shelly walks with faithfully. We're praying four more in. Uh, these are couples that, that uh, we got to know that the Lord's brought into our life. And so my challenge right here at the start is you may have had children that you've raised. They went to college and... Now we're off married and raising their own kids, um, but I want to challenge you to consider that maybe your fathering has not stopped, and the call to fathering hasn't stopped. So it should apply to everybody in this room because you're all men, and we're going to get into that a little bit here in just a minute. Uh, Shelly and I uh, had two boys uh, when we went to Thailand, so we did a little bit of mission work in Thailand. Uh, loved that country, loved the team. Uh, God called us back here, though, in 06. We've been at Beltway since 06. As he said, Shelley was involved with uh, Freedom Ministry, uh, walked real closely with Sherry, uh, sweet, sweet uh, relationship and friendship. Um, we've got a, our oldest is adopted from Mozambique. He's 33, studying at HSU. Uh, then a senior, then a sophomore, uh, eighth grader, and then a fourth grader. So we're going to be doing the parenting thing for a good while. Um, we got so. the spread for sure. Yeah. Anything you want to add? No, just I just want to start out. Uh, we're going to pray, and I just want to start out um, with a blessing over you and just say um, from my perspective as a woman, um, I believe in equality under God. In the home, I'm blessed to be married to a man that loves me and honors me that way in our home. Um, but I'm in that same vein, I am here to say as a woman that there is no measure or replacement for the role that you carry 
with your children. Um, we laugh about it, but I'll spend hours, days, months um, shepherding some of our spiritual children, and I promise you Eric will walk in and say one sentence, and it's like the heavens opened, and they get it. And I've been saying it for months, maybe weeks. It's the same way in our home. I will plow and plow and plow the ground of truth and love in our son's heart. But when this man opens his mouth or comes in and blesses or comes in and speaks, I, I'm just telling you there's a spiritual shift that happens. And as a woman, I used to go, really? Like, how, how did, I mean, I've been trying to get that point across for months. But now I've just learned to just be so thankful for what you carry and the mantle that God's put on you, and the power that you hold as a man um, to influence and to shape and to bless. And so I just want to say that as a woman uh, in this particular role, um, you're just irreplaceable. And I get it that moms do a lot of the hands-on, and I get it that, that moms you know, are in the grind a lot, but nothing can replace the peace that you carry uh, in your home, and I know you've heard that in a thousand ways, but I want you to hear it from, from a woman um, in this role. So we're going to pray really quick, and we're going to get jump in. So Lord, we just do thank you in Jesus' name for every man sitting uh, out here today and every man that will hear this podcast. Father, we, um, we bless you for your divine wisdom and how you created men and women and how you created the home and how you created children and the family to operate. And so, Father, we just open our spirits up right now, and we, we call forth the Holy Spirit to come. Um, Lord, we're, we're going to give what you've given us, but, but we welcome all that you're going to give individually and collectively to us this morning as we draw together and you come near. Uh, Father, I pray against any and every spirit of accusation and condemnation that wants to accompany any teaching and parenting. It is just not okay for any voice to operate over any of these men other than the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Father. Um, I just We just say, Lord, that you are capable. Anything we've missed, anything we've done well, anything we didn't do, anything that, that we totally messed up, <laughs> um, you are the perfect Father over us and our children, anything we didn't get. It's not a hopeless place, Father, and we just... Um, we just bless these men to operate under the grace of God and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit this morning as they listen to this teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, we're going to try to create a context for, for what we're going to share with you. Uh, then in that context, we're going to talk about the environment that we're hoping to create in our home. And from that place, we'll then get into some of the practical maybe how-to's. Uh, which will finish out our time, and then we're going to give it back to you guys so that you can kind of wrestle with each other, talk about some of the things that we've shared, um, and maybe challenge and call each other up uh, to this, this role. So, um, like I said, oh my, this isn't the, this is the other one. That's good. I don't know that we want to mess with. So, look in your books. <laughs> I pulled up the wrong one. Um, so, uh, the slide I'm on is in the beginning. In Genesis, we see 
that, that God made all of us, men and women, in His image. And the important thing to draw out of that is that by being made in His image, there are some things that He desired. And that one is that He desired for us to experience intimacy. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, and Spirit have incredible intimacy, and that's what He intended for all of man. And if you'll, if you'll kind of read between the lines with me, in regards to men and women, I akin the, the role of man to be closely held to uh, Father God, right? And Spirit is real close to Mom, right, or the woman, She's the nurturer, she's the helper, the counselor, she comes alongside. These are the things that in the home should play out, right? So as men, we're called to be men. We're not necessarily called to be women. And then we're also called to father. So if you could, for just a minute, help us know the context of the group here. How many of you have little kids still in the home? Okay, quite a few. How many uh, junior high, high school? Okay. How many are all in college or maybe out of college and, and you've married them off or marrying them off? Okay, so you guys, you, you guys fill every spectrum here of, of fathering. Um, so the, the addition maybe today for you to consider is spiritual fathering. Like I said, we have 20 children that we now pour ourselves out with, and we have intentional times. We show up at the birthday parties of their kids. We show up at their birthday parties. We're invited into their home. We invite them into our home. So fathering in, in, this, in this sense is playing out the role that we were intended to have. We were intended to be fathers, and we are intended to be men. We were to subdue the earth. I know for men, a lot of times when we think about subduing the earth, we think about controlling, Right? Or, or taking hold of something and making it go our way. Well, really, the, the context here in Genesis is not about taking control. It's rather managing or caretaking. So we're called to be incredible caretakers of a family, of the, the sphere of influence that God has given to us. And lastly, we're called to multiply. And, and that's the place that, that I call all of us. So sometimes it's physical mu- multiplication where our, our wife... And, and ourselves have children, but there could be a context where you're a single man. You're still called to multiply. You're still called to raise up the DNA of God in someone else, right? So you're never, you're never freed from that role of fathering. Um, in regards to creation, God established things with order, right? He didn't just throw it all out there. He actually was very disciplined. He was he was considerate of life and what it would take to have life. And Shelly's going to help us understand the context of creating life in our home by helping us consider and think about how do you establish uh, the culture of the kingdom of heaven? Because that's the culture that we want our kids to be raised in. If you look at the next uh, slide, God made man in his image. So what does that mean? Who is God? Well, we know that God is love, so we should be men of love. God is a provisionary. He provides for us. I like, if any of you have read the book, um, I, the title just, just slipped me, um, Tender, Warrior. Tender Warrior. 
If you haven't read it, you ought to. It's a great book. Uh, it, there's a, a great illustration about us as men where they're talking about the caravan and how the man would go on his horse ahead of the caravan, ahead of the wife and the children and, and those that were part of his company to look out the land to see where would be an appropriate place to settle. What environment would have the, the, the water that they need, the, the, the place for them to plant? We need to have vision for our families. Um, I, I had a great spiritual father, and by the way, my spiritual father happens to be only five years older. So as you think about spiritual fatherhood, it doesn't have to be someone that is 20 years your junior or, or 30 years your junior, like a physical child. It could be someone that just comes alongside and maybe, uh, maybe older, but you're still a spiritual father to that individual because you're calling them up to the things of God. Um, but this provisionary is, it has a vision for the family. I, in fact, uh, as we went through missions training, was asked to write a vision statement. And as men, if you're in business or there's a lot of contexts where you understand vision, it helps us plan for our family. If you don't have a vision statement, for, I challenge you, I encourage you, write a vision statement for your family. Where are you going? Where's God taking you? And let your family know that vision. He also is a creator. We are, we are made to create. Some of you, that comes real natural. Maybe you're an architect or an engineer or a builder. Uh, maybe it comes real natural. But you're all called to create. Uh, whatever sphere of influence you're in. You're a protector. You're a defender. Uh, you're one who declares. Uh, the decoration. God used his words to create the world. We need to declare over our children, and we'll get into this a little bit more, uh, who they are in Christ. Even though we behaviorally may not see who they are in Christ, <laughs> but see other things, Right? Uh, I will tell you two things that I learned in the process of becoming a father and becoming a man, uh, and, and it took getting married and uh, going through those heartaches of the first five, seven years of trying to be a husband. I tried to control and I tried to fix. Here's the interesting thing. There's not anywhere in the Bible that you can see that God is a controller or that God is a fixer. Let that sink in for a minute. He's not calling you to fix things, and he's not calling you to control things. Although that's what a lot of us do. I certainly did. I tried to fix my wife. That didn't go real well. I tried to control my kids. That didn't go real well. God established an atmosphere and a cultural context by which he raises us all up, and that's what he calls us to as men. So what are we fighting against? If you go to the next page, you look at my dad's an anthropologist. I could get really into this a lot. I'm just going to skim over this fast. So here's what you're fighting against, especially in America. The cultural context that you're raising kids up or spiritual children is so anti the kingdom. Being self-reliant, being self-centered, being independent. We are behavior-driven We're not re- and image-driven. We're not relationally driven. And time... Time works against us because, you know, time is money. Uh, You know, all this related to time is about, you know, my time. So the world is so anti, especially the American culture, so anti the kingdom of heaven culture. Um, If you look at the next slide, just establishing the kingdom culture uh, as a primary goal in your home creates the atmosphere needed for relationship. Growth and connection. I'm going to turn it over to Shelly, and she's going to help 
us learn how to establish the nature yeah. and culture of our home. So when we're talking about God and who he is, and we're talking about um, God's not a controller and God's not a fixer, okay? Um, if you look at what God did do, uh, when it came time, when, it, when he saw what his children needed, is he did provide. He provided a savior. He did provide. He provided boundaries uh, that, that let them know in the garden, hey, here's where life's going to come from. And here's where death's going to come from. But they got to choose, obviously. We are where we are because they got to choose, right? But when they chose and when they failed, what we see God did in Genesis 3, which I love, we're going to go there uh, and, and camp a little bit and see the nature of God in Genesis 3. But what he does do is he, he boldly rebu- rebukes the enemy that messed with his kids, boldly, takes his authority, tells the enemy what's going to be up, okay? You're going to crawl on your belly. You're going to be sad you ever messed with them. You struck their heel, they're going to crush your head, okay? So God is very secure as father in his victory. You need to be very secure as a father spiritual or natural, in your children's victory. And you need to declare it. You need to declare it to the enemy, just like the father did, and you need to declare it over your children. Then you see what he does is the shame, the guilt, the fear, all the things that came on them that has them hiding and distancing themselves relationally. What he comes and does is he covers their shame at great cost, I mean, unless you're that animal, you don't think it's great cost. But, I mean, that animal that he, what we see in Genesis 3 is he goes and kills the innocent animal and covers them. Restores their identity as children and makes sure that shame and fear and condemnation is not a part of who they are. He also gives them consequences. So I'm saying we're living in a culture that because Because mostly parents fear losing relationship, they abandon consequences. Because you can't control them anyway. They're going to do what they want. So close your eyes, back off, back off that role as dad, and just let them learn the hard way. Well, that's not what you see a good father do in Genesis 3. He places them on a pathway, a protective pathway, to do two things. Restore relationship to himself, and to empower them to walk victoriously over the enemy and to begin to live life the way that he designed them to. And he has a plan at all times for their full restoration and redemption. And in our parenting, when we see the kingdom culture in our children, when we see the enemy Coming and attacking the kingdom culture in any way in our children, their identity, their, um, um, their gifts and talents. We're going to talk about some of this, how he comes against them. We are the ones, and you especially as fathers are the ones to step up. We don't step back. We step up. And I watch over and over and over where dads especially, I don't know what it is. It's like, the mess starts happening, it gets crazy, and they go, and freeze. Or they come in and hyper-control. Anybody struggle with either one of those? Let's be honest. How many of you are a retreater? Ah! Freak out, stop, don't say anything. How many of you are coming in and we're going to take charge? 
Okay, and I'm going to tell you how this is going to be. Okay, well, mm, bless. I mean, bless both of those scenarios. It doesn't go well. So we're going to watch and look a little bit at how we want, how does the kingdom operate? How does God move? Okay, so he sees and knows his children intimately enough that he knows when they're not where they need to be with him relationally. Y'all, this is massive because we're in a culture where really time with our children is foreign. I want you to really think about how much time you spend with your kids. They're gone till what? Four. Every day anyway. Then how many of you have them in sports or did have them in sports? So then they're back by what? I know, six, seven. They go to bed at what time? Come on. Nine or ten. So we got a good two hours, except for, oh, wait. Then there's friendships. Then there's the girlfriend when that starts happening, or boyfriend when that starts happening. And then we've got homework. Do you see the battle? I mean, if you guys aren't making your way, just like the father did, and where are you? We need to be together. I miss you. I hear this man. He will go after our children. Just yesterday, we're at dinner. Okay, my son's had a football game. And Eric gets up in the middle of dinner. It was awkward, actually. Middle of dinner, he walks over to my son. We're, we're coming back from Dallas. And he walks over. We have friends with us. And he walks over to my oldest son in the middle of dinner table and just puts his arms around him and hugs him. And he says, with his girlfriend sitting right next to him, and he goes, I just love you. I've loved watching you play football. And I'm just having a moment where I'm having a hard time that you're a senior. But I'm happy for you, but I'm going to miss you, son. And everybody's like looking at him. like, And then he just kisses him on the head, turns back around, and sits down at the dinner table. Okay? And it went, we went on. But I wish you could have seen Jeremiah's face. Literally, at first he's like this, like any high school guy would be next to his girlfriend. He goes like, and then all of a sudden you just see him just relax into his daddy's arms, right? Right? And I'm like, you have to go after your kids. You have to be the one to say this one. He'll go up to school and, and he's got a 30-minute lunch break. And every week he's going to spend time with them. And every week they're a little bit late to class. And every week you should see that sweet secretary as they sign in. I mean, there's some, y'all, you have to create your time with your kids. He, he just, the father didn't live without it. And it's a big piece of, of them. He comes to them. He engages them with questions to understand. Um, so when they mess up, y'all, the kingdom culture does not just, he didn't just go in slamming. He knows what happened. Do you ever, have you ever known what happens with your kids? Like, you know what happened before they know you know. Okay, and then most of the time as, as dads or moms, we want to go in and say, this happened and this happened. And we're blah, blah. No, 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 that's not what the father does. Where are you? I want connection with you. I love you. What, why are you hiding? Who lied to you? Who t- There's all these things that he says to establish connection with his kids. And then he says, what happened? He already knows what happened. 
But he's asking them questions. Why did he do that? Because he knows it's more important for his children to feel safe with him and reconnect with him and be able to open up to him and confess to him than it is for him to know what happened and start instructing them. Instruction comes. It's important. It's essential. We see God do it. But first, he reconnects with them. Come here. Come close. Tell me what happened. Tell me your experience in fathering. This is so important because when you draw them near and they can relax, their identity is being formed. I'm safe. My dad loves me. I'm valuable. Like it takes more than two minutes, y'all, to discipline well. It takes more than five, the five minutes we want to give that's annoying that we have to deal with this flesh issue in them, right? Am I the only parent that just doesn't have time for their stuff? Like, I'm, seriously, their stuff gets on my nerves, right? Their choices bother me. They interrupt my world a lot because <laughs> I have five of them, okay? But we can't back down. So the father draws them out, helps them confess, helps them talk out what they experienced. And then they watch him. They watch him curse the enemy. They watch him bring the spiritual battle to light. They watch him say, here, let me restore you. Let me set you on a great pathway. This is the kingdom culture, y'all. It's not shame. It's not fear. It's not control. How many of you would say you grew up under a parent that that was their tactic? Either shame, fear, or control. Now I want you to look around. Now I want you to raise your hand if you had an absent parent. Just mostly not there, okay? All right. Did any of you have like really engaged, faithful, consistent, encouraging, nurturing parents? Well, there you go. So we got about maybe a tenth of us that had the kingdom culture in our home, right? And then even those aren't perfect, right? Um, So... We win. I want to keep saying that. But you have to know, look at this next slide, how the kingdom operates. It is not hate and lies and judgment and unforgiveness and condemnation and cursing. It is love and it values truth and righteousness. And it forgives and it gives mercy and it gives grace and it blesses. It's constantly blessing and bringing life. We want to parent that way. So we've talked about how God gives them consequences. He covers their shame. He sets them on a restoration path. And I just want to say this. Your kids are going to fail. Eric used to ask me, why do you get so mad at their flesh, Shelly? I was like, I don't know, but I really do. Like, I'm a fiery person. And so I parent really fiery. The problem is that kind of shuts my boys down. Right? So Eric asked me one time, he said, so would you rather have good grades or a relationship with your son? Because you're super close to giving up one for the other. I mean, fill in the blank, right? What's your issue around your kids that just keeps coming up, coming up that you do this, right? Do we need to find a different way to establish the kingdom culture? Like, what's the real goal? Because our culture says correct behavior is the goal with our kids. It does. Now I'm asking you, does behavior matter? Yes. (laughs) Because we can't just let our kids go on sinning because it leads to death. So we have to address behavior. But I'm also telling you 
that the way we go about it establishes the kingdom culture in our kids' hearts or isolates them, causes them to withdraw, and sets them on a path of destruction. It's really important how you as fathers go about addressing the things that your kids uh, that your kids need to address in their own life. Okay, one of the things I love about the kingdom culture is that it, it upholds an unwavering standard of righteousness, y'all. And this is more important in our culture than ever before because it will be easier for you to just kind of go, yeah, there's too many things to address. I know about that phone, and I got my own problem with that phone, so never mind that phone. Right? Anybody but us? Anybody but us having to say, there's three places that we're not going to have phones. One is in your bedroom at night. Everybody say amen. amen. Thank you. One is at the dinner table. We're going to be the family that has eye-to-eye contact and actual conversation with one another. And not in the car. When we happen to be together in the car and we're in a, we're in a, you know, a situation where we can engage each other, we're not all going to be on our phone, right? We're going to talk. We're going to share. We're going to connect. And if you don't, in this culture, fight for connection and intimacy, it won't be there. Have you noticed that? I'm, I'm just asking. Like, it is our number one fight, y'all. It's the number one thing in establishing the kingdom. We believe this with our whole heart. The kingdom of God is where life is found in Jesus Christ. Connection with Father, connection with Son, connection with Holy Spirit, and connection to one another is where our kids are going to find life. It's not going to be found in their grades. It's not going to be found in their friends. It's not going to be found in their excellence of sports. And we, have, we have one of the best athletes ever at our school. He's just like, and it's our kid. Who cares? I'm telling you, at the end of the day, he needs his mom, his dad, his brothers, and to be connected to God. That's what he needs. Because all those things rise and fall. You know that. It's going to happen in their work. It's going to happen everywhere else. So unwavering standard of righteousness. Don't just go lukewarm on this, y'all. Hold it. Hold it when it's hard. Hold, I mean, if I, if I could tell you the number of times my husband is like, scrolling through on their Instagram. Hey guys, why, why are these pictures here? Is it helping you? How's that helping you? Well, I don't look at him, dad. Okay, get him off. Do you hear him? He's being kind. He's nurturing. He's going to share some more with you about that, about how he handles our children. But I'm telling you, don't lower the standard. God didn't. You have to hold it up. And you have to live in grace with them, too. It has to be both. Okay, let's keep going here. We've got lots, lots to do. So we're going to train in our, and instruct our children in righteousness and the ways of God because that's what God did. He didn't leave them to figure it out. He didn't leave them by themselves to mess up and not come restore them. We're going to train and instruct because it's important. Because if you don't train and instruct in the way of life, the culture around them will try to. They'll throw all kinds of lies in there of what they need to do and who they need to be and how they need to perform. If you're not the one saying, this is the way the kingdom of God works, this is the heart of God over you, this is the way we're going to do it as a family, we're going to live it out, then the culture will fill it in, y'all. And it's not, if you haven't noticed, it's not a culture you that brings life. <laughs> it just sets trap after trap after trap, whether it's performance or shame or 
you know, popularity or wealth or money or whatever it is that they are going to try to, that, that the culture is going to try to tell them. So re, training and instruction requires time. Everybody say time, time, specific instruction, tactical instruction. They got to have the information, y'all, of how the kingdom functions. You can't be on your phone while you're trying to have intimate conversations with your kids about how it's going with their friends or how it's going in college or how it's going with their children now. They know if you're engaged. They know if you're invested. So one of the things that's really important in them developing their identity within your family and the role you play in it is every single one of us is valuable to God. Every single one of us has gifts and, and, and aspects of our personality and the way he made us that is it's irreplaceable in the kingdom of God. So in your family, you're wanting to build a culture that has a standard of righteousness, yes, over your children. And that's for all of us, and it's unwavering. But if you do not make sure that each one of your children know they play a vital role, if you do not help each one of your children know their spiritual gifts, know how they're wired, value it and delight in it, encourage it. Y'all, we ha- I kept thinking one of our four would be similar. They're just not. It's annoying. I'm like, you're like, God, you are so creative because not one of these do I get to replicate something from the other one, right? They just all came out different. And so our first one is like this massive, 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 like like had a ball in his hand from the time he was one, you know, throwing it at us. He's a massive athlete. The next one is arts and and top five of his class cares about his grades first one couldn't care if he didn't play ball he wouldn't make his grades you know like thank god he has to make his grades or he wouldn't and then our next one is just easy does anybody have an easy kid like you just like come here you make my life wonderful because you're just like happy and kind and you obey the first time none of y'all are going yeah I don't have that one we 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 did we we have one man and I'm like oh I love you But we have to be real careful because he kind of goes away in the chaos of the other three if we're not super intentional. And we're dealing with all the others, you know, great, wonderful stuff or hard stuff. And he's just always there. Steady Isaac. Making us laugh, right? And we have to go in with him. We did this this weekend. Man, I was just like, I always grab his cheeks and tell him, you're my cutest. The girls are going to go crazy over you. Mom. No, they really are. And I'm going to, I'm going to swat him away is what I tell him, you know, and, and, but we have to be super intentional with him. And then our last one would just take, anybody have this one would take all of our energy, time, effort, and attention forever and ever. Amen. If we let him, he's just got that apostolic call and that apostolic call doesn't go away in our family. He just, uh, Eric and I look at each other like he's controlling the whole dang thing. How did he do that? Like in two seconds flat. It doesn't matter if it's something fun and happy. He's in charge. It doesn't matter if it's something terrible. You know, we're like all of our tensions on Nate and our other boys can get resentful of that. What you need to make sure you are doing is being intentional with every one of them, delighting in their gifts, 
speaking out their differences, helping create the culture in your family that they're not comparing to each other, that they know they have a valuable place where they don't have to compare. And how does that happen? That happens when our dads, especially, sorry that the yoke is so heavy there, but it just is. When our dads say, this is my child in whom I am well pleased, something happens. And when you can call out specific aspects of your son or daughter as a father and you can delight in them, genuinely delight in them, our kids are going to hear from every single one of us every week something that we love and delight in them about. It's going to happen. Because you know what they mostly hear? Y'all tell me. In your home, just think. What are they mostly hearing? Where they fail, where they have room to improve, where they need a discipline. Y'all, if we, we started examining, we actually did a parent report card one time. We did not do well. We had some really great questions on there. What is mom doing well? What's dad doing well? What's mom need to change? What's dad need to change that would bless you? What's something you need to hear more of? What's something you need to hear less of? It's phenomenal what you find out. And we let them actually not put their name on it because that makes them feel safe. We could figure out real quick which one was saying what. It's awesome because you know your kids, right? But I am telling you, do a parent report card. And I don't care how old you are, do it. Say, hey, bud, can you fill this out for me? Hey, babe, can you fill this out for me? This lady, crazy lady, gave me an assignment at church. And I need to do it. And just see what comes out. Just see what comes up out of them. The good thing you have going for you is no matter how great or how wonderful or how terrible you've done this, your kid is hungry for you. They are made to need you, especially daddies. They're made to need you. So you got that going for you. No matter what's been going on, they still need you and they still want you. Okay, I know y'all are going, not if you have uh, junior high and high schoolers. Yeah, they do. They act like they don't, but they so do. Okay, I think Eric, are you next? Okay, come on. We're going to give you a couple of examples too. What? Oh, I know. We lost one of our best friends this week, so Eric's a little emotional because, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he's, he's going to be okay. Give me just a second. Um. So to jump into some of the practical, she's, she's done a great job. You see why it takes both of you to raise your kids. I couldn't do my role if I didn't have Shelly at my side, uh, fulfilling her call and her role. Um, I'll be honest, I just lost where we are. I think we're within the practical steps. I'm going to just touch on different ones. Uh, I talked about vision. I'll, I'll start there. I don't know what page that is, but in regards to vision, putting that out in front of your kids and, and your, your spouse, if you're still married, is so key. Because if you don't, and it doesn't have to be like a vision or mission statement that you read on the wall at, at the business that you work in, but it's casting vision in front of your kids on a regular basis about who, in our case, who the Presley family is. Uh, where they know right now that our mission field, because they have a context that we are missionaries, so to speak, 
having the two oldest ones with us in Thailand, they know that we're going to be always evangelistic. We're always going to be on mission. That is the nature of the Presley family. They know that their parents raised their son, their father, in Argentina. We were missionaries. They know that their mom went as a single lady to Bulgaria and, and worked as a missionary. It is who, it's the nature of our family. It's who we are. And so right now, there's not a single boy that, that doesn't know that Abilene Christian School, where they all are, is their mission field. And they're, and they're being asked, are you listening to the Lord on behalf of your classmates? Has He spoken a word to you of encouragement that you need to give? Uh, are you calling other guys up? Are you standing up on behalf of the one that's being bullied and calling others that that's not who we are here at this campus? Uh, so each one of them knows right now that's, that's their field. They are to be a certain kind of individual on that campus. Uh, they also know that in the context of sports, because we do have uh, all athletes, really, um, they're called to a different standard, and we call them up to it. They know this. If this is not part of your way of walking with children, the culture is going to fill in the gaps, and it's going to tell them who they are and what they're called to. Um, And how God wants you to guide your children has to do with pa the passions that God gives you. And you need to ask the Lord, what's our family vision? You know, our kids are well aware that we value time together as a family as a priority. And they've given up sports and all kinds of things to be at family funerals, to be at family weddings, to be at family reunions. God help us. They hate it. But what are we doing? We're creating for them a standard that later family is most important. Right? Do you think our kids want to get up every Sunday and go to church? We have, this, we have kids. Y'all probably have better kids than us. They say, we don't want to go to church. Great. Joy. I mean, you know, you're feeling real good about that. Right? But we're like, this is what we do. We honor God. We honor God with our time. We honor God every day when we're, on, when we're at school. And so they know we're going to honor God. We're going to honor family. We're going to honor, honor people. We're going to be aware of the hurting and the broken. And we're going to be aware of where, God, where God's speaking and how we, he can use us as an example and as a mouthpiece. What are the standards? And also, we, we're going to be a family that tells the truth, even when it's hard. What are your core values that your kids, when they leave, can walk away knowing, this is who I am? As a Presley, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. As a, as a son of God, this is what I'm called to. As a daughter of God, this is what I'm called to. You want to you make sure in your vision that you're casting that for your kids. And because each of your children are uniquely made, they have different skills, they have different spiritual gifts, we call them to recognize that their gifting has a role in the family. And then if they're not fulfilling that gifting, then the family is suffering as a whole. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting, although I think God obviously had a role in all this because we sought his face as we named our sons, but uh, the middle name of our two oldest is, is uh, Joshua and Caleb. And uh, Jeremiah is Caleb and Zeke is Joshua. And oftentimes, I have challenged Zeke 
while Jeremiah has the presence in many ways on that campus because of the role that he plays as the oldest of, of all the boys, I call Zeke up to the role that prophetically has been spoken over all of them, and his Joshua name helps him recognize that he's called to encourage his brother and call his brother up to a higher standard. And, and he has a passion for living out life faithfully to God. His brother, he, he does too, but in a very different way. And sometimes he'll let things slide, and, and Zeke is right there next to the side. No, we need to have this standard of righteousness. Even if your buddies, who are his peers, go, you know what, we're going to try out this, and it's not a really good thing to try out, right? And Zeke's there, no, man, come on. We know who we are. And that's, that's what has been cultivated over all these years as we've seen the gifts, as we've sought the Lord. God, what, what have you put in them? Who are they? What spiritual gifts do they have? And we call them out. Isaac knows that he is our joy boy. And he naturally loves to do that. He likes to bring laughter into our home. He also knows that he's going to go into dark places. We have had people speak over him. We've seen that. He is going to be one that goes into, and he has gone into very dark places relationally and called other peers in their class up to hope, up to truth, up to love, up to a different standard, a kingdom standard among themselves. I'll be honest, I, I know that all these notes are awesome. I'm going to tell you a couple of things, and, and you can find them in the notes. So part of what we've done is with intentional time, some of the practical things look like, as she's mentioned, on Wednesdays, I will take every boy. It goes in a rotation. I go and show up at the office, and the, who are you picking up today? Who is it today? They now know it's been years. And that practice allows the boys to have a time with me. Sometimes it's meaningful, sometimes it's not. But because it's there, it's easy for them in the evenings when they're struggling. Mom and dad are safe. I know where to go. We're creating an environment that allows them in the challenges of life to know where their safety is, to know where their wisdom and counsel is, to know where they can be who they are and not shamed and not controlled and not told how to, how to be or think, right? Um, the other thing that, we, that I do on a regular basis with the declaration is every night I will speak a blessing over them. Now, the cool thing about that is that was, a, that was something by my spiritual father that was called into my attention, and I began to practice it. The cool thing about it is that after years of doing it, when I was traveling in the previous company, I would be overseas, and guess what? When it's bedtime, it's middle of the day over there. But what did my boys want? Mommy, can you call Daddy so he can say the blessing? So here it is. So here in the middle of the, of the day, I'm pausing to be on a FaceTime or, or, or earlier it was a Skype so that I could speak the blessing of them so that they could go to bed knowing that Dad is still blessing them. It, is, it was key. The blessing says who they are, what they're called to, um, and, it, and it's just about our family unit. They know this. Um, yep. There was another. There was another story that you that you had had mentioned, and I wanted to bring it. Oh, yeah. um, in in the process of all this too, they need to know that we're not perfect. I love my parents. I grew up with amazing parents. They were. They're beautiful people. But the problem with the dynamic that I grew up in is that 
I thought they were perfect. And I could never live up to that standard of perfection. I always stumbled. So I didn't, I didn't have this connection with them that I felt like I could go when I was struggling. In our life with our boys, we've walked vulnerably with them, allowing them to see that we're not perfect. We are calling ourselves to a standard that God has for us. But we've, we've disciplined them in, in harsh tones, and we've come back and said, we were right about what we were talking to you about, but our approach was wrong. Will you forgive me for coming in so... I was mad that Satan had gotten you here, but I, I, was, I should have been mad. Just like Jesus, or just like God in the garden, he first went and, and dealt with Satan before he even addressed the discipline. And I should have done that with you. I should have dealt things first with Satan. I should have condemned him and bound him up. And then I should have come and addressed you. And I didn't do that. Will you forgive me for being harsh? Right? That vulnerability of knowing mom and dad are not perfect. They're still growing. The other space of that vulnerability, though, is being honest. I'll say a little joke about the experience, but um, I, from the age of 6 to the age of 24, 25, uh, fought pornography. I was massively dealing with that. Many of you, that may be your story, too. But what I learned in that process, I allowed life to be born out of it so that as I raise boys, I can help them walk into life and not be struggling with this and And same with if we had girls I'd have done the same thing how does it look like practically I've always addressed it very naturally I'll tell you two stories one is comical the other one is just as meaningful but very different the comical one was oldest son Jeremiah is uh, 11 years old Zeke is either 10 or 9 depending on the time of the year and then Isaac was 7 we're doing laundry and I start talking to the boys, hey, guys, I'm sure that you're beginning to see and be aware that girls are a little bit different, right? Yeah, Dad, you know, fold, fold, fold. Well, do, do you guys notice any difference that, that kind of is appealing to you? Like, so I'm still drawing out, you know, the, the boys are, are not engaged yet with where I'm going with this. They're like, why is he talking about girls and what appeals to I guess because they're athletic. I said, well, I know, but like their features. Is there anything about their features that you're noticing that's appealing? Like, you know, some boys like long faces, some rounder faces. And so Jeremiah started, yeah, they're soft skin. You know, I I like the girls that have soft skin. And Zeke makes a comment. And I'm still trying to draw out of them. Guys, are you noticing the difference about their physique and your physique? And And you like that? No, no answers. And so after just a moment of silence, then little Nate, I mean, uh, little Isaac goes, yeah, boobies. <laughs> right? Uh, yes. That makes them different. And, and you recognize it. So that little conversation was just many conversations throughout their lifetime of helping them recognize they're growing up and they are made a certain way. And they are being uh, drawn into this reality that you are a man and they are a woman. And that is a blessed thing, and there's a blessed place for it all. So now when my uh, Zeke is 15 years old, podcast. Anyway, one of our sons, uh, he comes into the room and says, Daddy, take this off. And, and he gives me his phone, and I look at it, and, and there's, there's a, an inappropriate picture 
whether it was lingerie or bikini, I don't remember exactly. But he's like, oh, please, Dad, I don't know how, how it's on here, but I can't, I can't seem to get it off. And so I said, well, Zeke, do you like it? Dad, do you like it? I, I guess. I said, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how God made you. It's just not time. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't need to be ashamed because you're a man. And so all of a sudden, I, I come and I just hold him tight. And he's able to receive, I am who I am, and this is what God made for me. I don't have to run from it. I don't have to be ashamed of it. But there's a place for it. And right now, and that way, is not the place. And those are the moments. Those are the intentional times. Those are the going after your children. It is no different for girls. I don't know the, the nuances of, of that because I don't have any girls that I've raised in the home. Uh, but a boy needs to know, do I have what it takes? And the girls need to know, and I do know this with my spiritual daughters, is, am I worth it? Am I beautiful? Do you delight in me? I love telling my spiritual daughters, I delight in you. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're amazing. Because both sides need to hear the same thing. They are cherished. They are loved. They are valued. We're going to finish up here because y'all got to have some time. But um, a couple other things I want to just say is, um, first of all, creating that space where your children are safe to be vulnerable with their struggles, right? Um, that happens through you drawing them out. That happens through you sharing vulnerably with them. And appropriate, I'm not telling you to go tell all your kids all your stuff, you know, that you're sharing with Randy or something. I'm just saying to be able to say, man, I'm struggling, or man, dad and I aren't getting along right now, and I'm really having to die and trust dad as the leader, or I'm really having to die and just honor your mom and what, what her gut is. I mean, they they see it. They know it. They hear it, right? And Or, man, man, I really blew that. I've gone to my kids' school so many times to say I'm sorry so they don't go through the whole day thinking that that was okay. And um, and I just tell them, I'm, I'm really sorry for how I handled that. Or um, that your vulnerability, your authenticity actually speaks to them that, th- that their imperfections are going to be met with love. And if you don't meet their imperfections with love, there is someone happy to step in and do that in an unhealthy way in their world. And we're all going to find the places that we feel most safe in our vulnerabilities, whether that's isolated on a computer, whether that's somebody else that's not our spouse, whether that's, um, whether that's alcohol or some kind of addiction, we're going to find our safe place that makes us feel better. I just want to radically encourage you as parents to do what you have to do, make the changes you have to make to be your children's safe place. When it all falls apart, when they royally screw up, when they are on cloud nine, you be their biggest celebrator. Don't be the dad that says, we did great on that, but you got this to change. I mean, come on, right? Like celebrate with your kids. God celebrates with you. Um, the last thing I would say is there is, in, in the kingdom culture, there is a piece of the kingdom culture that I believe helps solidify fruitfulness for the long haul. And it's the word rest. 
And it doesn't exist in our culture, for our, especially for our children. And as parents, and especially as dads, you have to fight for that place for your kids to say, we're going to slow down. I don't care if you start out with three hours. And for three hours, we're not going to do video games. We're not going to do TV. We're not going to have our calendar fixed to the nth degree. We're going to be together and be still and rest. If your children are going to be fruitful in the kingdom of God, if you are going to be fruitful and make it for the long haul in the kingdom of God, we are going to force that as part of our family and our kingdom culture. Okay, I, we, we could talk all day on that. We don't have time, but I can't leave it out because I see the enemy sabotaging that piece of the kingdom and God did it in creation. He commanded it over land and he commands it over us. And it is something that we have to look at and, and, um, and introduce into our worlds. Okay, next week we're really going to go into... Um, some practical pieces of spiritual warfare and what we do when we see number one, being able to see the enemy. Number two, knowing how to contend and fight in our rightful position, like God does over us to bring about a culture that ushers in the victory of Jesus over our children when we, when we see the battle. So it's going to be awesome. And we're thankful that we were with you. We have two questions we want y'all to get in groups. Okay. One is, Share with each other your your personal biggest takeaway from today. Okay? I just want you to say it out loud. I need to think about this. I felt this when this was said, and I want to go after that with the Lord. What's your biggest takeaway from today personally? Second, if you are going to make one change, one change to enter, to begin to create the kingdom culture in your relationship with your child, what does it need to be? Or children. What does it need to be? Okay, so y'all talk about those two things.